0: Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Father, we just thank you and we love you. So grateful, God, that we can live this generous, abundant life because you first loved us and we can become rich because you became poor for us, oh God. We're so humbled to be in your presence and so grateful for what you're doing in Staten Island and that we can be part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people shout. Amen. Come on, make some noise one more time. <clears throat> um, is anybody here, by show of hands, anybody here in a, in a relationship? In a relationship? Anybody in a situation Nah, don't raise your hand. Don't do that. If you're in a relationship, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful to be in a relationship. I've been married now for seven years. This year, I've been making eight years married. And uh, and, and, and I'm so grateful to be in a relationship because people ask me all the time, like, what does it feel like to be married? And I'm like, okay, and I tell them like this, leave me alone. And then when they walk away, I tell them, why are you ignoring me? And that's pretty much marriage. <laughs> or oh, what's marriage like? Marriage is like, well, marriage is like when... Uh, 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 a wife tells her husband, she says, "Honey, w- w- would you like me to make you dinner?" He goes, "Sure." What are my options? He goes, "Yes or no." <laughs> uh, a Husband once time told his friend, he, he a husband told his friend, he goes, "I haven't spoken to my wife in eighteen years." And they're like, "But well, why not?" He goes, "Because I don't like interrupting her." <laughs> I just think marriage is something amazing, right? But marriage is also like, if, if, if you really think about marriage, marriage, your relationship changes the way you have relationship with other things. You know what I'm talking about? Like, once you get into a relationship, it changes the way you relate to other things. Let me, let me give you an example. For example, like, when you're, when you're by yourself, this thing called your relationship with time changes. Because before you were in a relationship, you had me time. Ooh, it was so good. But there's no more we, me time. It's now, everybody say it, we time. You know what I'm talking about? Your relationship with people changes. Did you know that? Your relationship with other people changes when you're in a relationship. Like you've seen that person that once they got in a relationship, they stopped talking to you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Right? Your relationship with people. Like let me tell you son. Let me, Ruben, come here for a second. Before I got married to Lisa, I knew how to hug. This is, yo, when I, I used to hug people like this. <laughs> now, I'm in a relationship. I've been married seven years, going on eight, I said it. Now, I hug people like this. <laughs> Thank you. Why? Because my, my relationship with my wife changes My relationship with other things, like my relationship even with the bed changed. Before I was married, my relationship with my bed looked like that. Now, my relationship with my bed looking like that. Three people sleep in my bed. It's my wife, space, and me at the edge. My relationship with my wallet changed. You know what I'm talking about? Before there was my money, now it's our money and your money. <laughs> I say that because I think that when, in the same way that when you're, relation, you're, you're in a relationship, it changes the way you relate to other things. I think it's so true, likewise, that your relationship, when you're in a relationship with God, it changes the way you have relationship with other things. I think that when you encounter a relationship with Jesus Christ and you allow him to be the Lord of your life, isn't it true that our relationship with everything else is also affected? I'll tell you right now, the moment you encounter Jesus Christ, your relationship with people begins to change. When you're in a relationship with Jesus, I'll tell you right now, your relationship with time begins to change. I'll tell you right now, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, when you have encountered him and he's become the Lord of your life, can I tell you that your relationship with sin changes? You you, you no longer interact with sin the way you used to before you met Jesus, right? Because when you didn't know Jesus, you were in a relationship with Jesus. When you sinned, you just you didn't even know it was sin. You just did your thing and it didn't even matter because you weren't conscious of the relationship that you were in. But now that you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're mindful of, of being in disobedience. Your relationship with sin changes. I no longer see sin the way I used to because why? My relationship with Jesus dictates my, dictates my relationship with other things. And I just think it's also true That when you encounter Jesus, your relationship, here it is, your relationship with money changes. Did you know that that, that there's such a thing to have a healthy relationship with money? And I just think that when you are in a relationship with God, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, it begins to transform the way you see people, the way you see your time, but it also begins to transform the way you see your money. And when you're in a relationship with God, it dramatically changes how you use your money, how you spend your money, how you are associated with money. It changes the way you see happiness. It changes the way you see success. It changes the way you see uh, 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 everything in life. It just, just begins to change. And so money is included into that picture. Even Jesus says that when you're in a relationship with me, your relationship with money changes. He says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, you cannot serve both God God. And, everybody say it, money. When I see God as my master, then money will never master me. And I want to be the kind of community that we serve a big God, that we serve a God with a big vision, with a big heart, but we're never going to be the type of church community that's mastered by our money, but we only serve one master. His name is Jesus, and when you serve Jesus and he's your master, then you will never be mastered by your money. My relationship... With money changes. Like, I used to have an unhealthy relationship with money, but now that I have made a commitment to Jesus, my relationship with money changes. Let me tell you something. When you look at this church in this letter that is written to the church in Corinthians or in Corinth, it's the church in Macedonia. Now, let me tell you something about Macedonia. Macedonia is Po. When I read this version, I read the, the Ghetto International version, and it said... And they was poe. They were so poor they couldn't afford the O and the R. They was poor, But you can't look at this church community and think, man, they're not mastered by their money. You got to look at this scripture and be like, wow, it's amazing that you can see that they have a healthy relationship with resources and with money. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, hey, let me tell you something. Let me testify about a church that is in Macedonia. And the church in Macedonia is an amazing church because they were so broke, they were so poor, but they were running at the opportunity to be generous with their lives. Why? Because they had a healthy healthy relationship with money. Now, this doesn't make sense because they was poor. It doesn't make sense, and I'm looking at the scripture. And I'm looking. Look what it says. Can we can we read that? It says, "Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia." I think sometimes that it's good to testify about what God has done in your life. I think it's good sometimes that you can testify about a miraculous healing. And then you can testify about the eyes seeing, the ears hearing. You can testify about the sick being healed. But I think it's also good to testify when you see the miraculous in the life of someone being generous to other people. And I love that. That, That's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, hey, hey, hold on a second. Let me tell you, let me testify real quick. Let me go to church with you real quick. I'm going to talk to you about this church in Macedonia. And this church in Macedonia, man, let me tell you something. They was broke. They was Paul, but look, look what it says. It said they were rushing to the opportunity to collect an offering for a church in Jerusalem. Like if I'm a church in Macedonia and I'm Paul, I'm like, no, Jerusalem needs to collect an offering for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's how true it is. I'm thinking like, no, they need to collect an offering for me, but Paul says, listen. This church was so amazing, this church was so phenomenal that they collected an offering and they were running towards the opportunity to be generous, the opportunity to give, the opportunity to make a difference in another church's life. It says that they were begging for Paul, 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 can I give you some more? Can I get some more funds? Can I get some more resources? And he was talking to the church in Corinth about a church in Macedonia, and I think many times when we hear that, we're like, man, that's crazy because... It says, I want to tell you what God did through the church in Macedonia. I think sometimes we hear that and we're like, okay, God is doing through their life. That's their life. And I think instead of sometimes what we do is instead of taking inspiration, we begin to compare. And I think I want to tell you right now that maybe God will bless the person that is right beside you. And show his goodness through their life just to show you what he can do through your life. Like, Pastor Ro, are you bragging about so-and-so? Are you bragging about this person? No, no. It's God letting you know. Listen, the same way he did it for them, the same way they were able to be generous in their poverty, is the same way that you can be generous in your circumstance, in your situation. This, now, now again, this doesn't make sense because they were broke. I I love the text. It says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy. See, because generosity has very little to do with an amount and more to do with an attitude. Which has over, everybody shout, overflowed in rich generosity. I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. What? And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did it more than we hoped for. For the first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. These were ordinary people making an ordinary income, making an average check-to-check type of lifestyle. This was average, regular people that God used mightily. It doesn't make sense how people that were broker than the Ten Commandments ended up... See, all the people that read the Bible caught that. Now I'm like, Broker than the Ten Commandments. People that were Broker than the Ten Commandments Ended up blessed. It doesn't make sense, but I want to let you know today that maybe you're looking for something to make sense in your life, and I'm going to let you know that throughout the scriptures, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God can do less with more. It doesn't make sense that God will tell you to love when people hate you, it doesn't make sense that God will call you to yell at a wall and see the wall come crumbling down. It doesn't make sense that God will take 300 men to defeat thousands upon thousands. It doesn't make sense that God will tell David to take a little slingshot and throw it at a giant monster and defeat the Philistine army. It doesn't make sense that God will take a mustard seed to move mountains. It doesn't make sense that God will take two pieces of wood, three nails, and bring about salvation to this world. If you're looking for it to make sense, it's never going to make sense. But God didn't call us to make sense. He called us to walk by faith. If you believe that in this house, give God a praise. If our relationship with money is going to change, and we have to ask ourselves some questions. And when I look at this text, you see the kind of godly perspective they had towards their money. So what I want to do is I want to give you three questions, three questions that you can consider as you think about your relationship with money. Here's the first, thing, the first thing I want you to consider. Number one is the who question. Who does it belong to? Can you say that with me? Who does it belong to? Who does it belong to? Now, now uh, we were here the last few days and, and uh, also met a guy named Pablo. He was talking to us about how a friend of his lent him his camera. And uh, when he lent him the camera, he started using the camera, right? He started taking pictures, started taking selfies. He started going to the city, taking pictures again. He took pictures of his house. He took pictures of everything that he could find. And then a couple of months went, down, went by. He took more pictures and he kept taking pictures. And he continued taking pictures. Six months go by. This is a borrowed camera now. And he's taking more pictures and he's taking more pictures. A year goes by, he still has the camera. A year and a half goes by, he still has the camera. Two years later. Hey, Pablo. Hey, how you doing? Um, Do you still have that camera I lent you two years ago? Yeah. Uh, You think I could come scoop it up this week? What had happened was Pablo had forgotten who the camera really belonged to. And he's like, don't lend me stuff no more because I catch feelings towards it. And I think about that because I think sometimes that happens to us that we begin to think that we lend God stuff when it's God that gave everything to us. And we forget that it all belongs to God. It all <laughs> belongs to God. Oh, that new car that you're driving, it all belongs to God. Oh, you know that car, that house that you have? It all belongs to God. Now nah, I work this promotion. I got, no, your promotion all Belongs to God. Oh, this is my family. No, it all belongs to God. Uh, let me let me prove it to you through the scripture. Like you go to Psalms chapter 24, just in case you were you were confused about this. Psalm chapter 24. The earth belongs to God. <laughs> and everything in all the world is his. Oh, Pastor, Rowe, that's just one scripture. You can't make a theology. You can't make a theological statement based on one. Our biblical scholars here. Uh, How about about Job chapter 41? Oh, I owe no one anything. (laughs) Everything under heaven is mine. (laughs) Oh, let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 50. For the world is mine. And all (laughs) its fullness. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Everything Belongs, Hebrews chapter 2, to God. (laughs) And all things were created (laughs) by His power. Oh, but Pastor O, those are things, let me tell you, this is my year, this is my day, this is my night. I'm gonna make it happen. How about this? Psalm chapter 74. The day is yours, (laughs) the night is also yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. It all (laughs) belongs (laughs) to God. (laughs) Uh, Nah, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. I've been grinding. I've been working hard. I've been, um, let me tell you, everything. Look at this house I got. I worked hard for this. Look at this promotion I got. I pressed on to get this promotion. I worked so, so vigorously and I worked so, so, so tediously to get where I'm at today. Oh yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 16 and 18. He fed you with manna in the wilderness. It was a kind of bread unknown before, so you would become humble so that your trust in him would grow and he could do you and he could do you good. Here's verse 17. We ready? Verse 17. He did it so that you would never feel that it was your own power and might that made you wealthy. Always remember that it is the Lord, your God, who gives you the power to become rich. You know that power? You know that hustle that you got to get where you were at? God gave that to you, but it all belongs to God. Oh, you thought you was yours. Oh, you, listen, this is just me. No, First Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians your own body does not belong to you, for God has brought you with a great price. So use every part of your body (laughs) to give glory back to God, because he owns that too, baby. He owns your day, he owns your things, and he owns your life. It all belongs to God the first question we have to ask, and let me tell you, you take this knowledge and you take it from your head to your heart, man, it'll transform the way you see your money. You allow this to go from your head to your heart and you'll start living a totally different way. It's no wonder that this church was able to say, of course I want to help. Because they understood in the depths of their soul that it all belongs to God. The second question that you got to ask yourself is the what question is what do I believe? What do I believe? It says for uh, 2 Corinthians verse 3, it says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. How could they do such a, such a thing? It doesn't make sense. They gave what they could afford. If you could afford it, then you can't give more because that's all you could afford. But it says that they gave what they could afford and far more. I don't know about you, but that's generosity. Being able to give far more than what I could afford. Well, this is all I could afford. Here's what God is saying. No, step out in faith and see what I can do when you step out and do more. Watch this. And they did it of their own free will, just as God wanted them to. It's interesting how how it all belongs to God, but then he also gives you the gift of free will. And it's, it's also amazing to notice that we have free will to choose God's perfect will. See, we have free will to consciously make a decision to choose God's perfect will or walk away from his ways. See, I, I know it all belongs to God, but even though God knows you know that it all belongs to him, he also gifts you with something called free will to choose his perfect will. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm 36 years young, and I ain't got no time to waste. And I don't know about you, but I don't got time to be walking in God's uh, r- rerouting, 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 rerouting. I ain't got time for that. I want to walk in God's perfect will for my life. I ain't got time for six relationships before I get to the right one. I ain't got time for three jobs that I'm going to get fired at so I can find the right one. I ain't got time. There was a theologian on the news that said, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> so here's what you got you to gotta, you gotta ask the what question. What do I believe? And the hardest question that we're going to have to remain true to is is when we answer this, do I believe what God's word says? That's really what it's going to boil boil down to because, see, we have free will, but ultimately the decisions we make in life are actually the evidence of what we believe in in our hearts. See, like the the decisions we make in life, I'm not talking about, see, like if we ask, of course I believe. I b-b-b-b-believe. Like, I believe, Pastor Roe. like, no, but, but the decisions that we make in life, you could, <laughs> you could say you love someone all you want, right? But the decisions you make in life actually are evidence whether you believe what you say. <laughs> and so the evidence, do I believe, Well, am I making the choices of what God's perfect will is for my life? And, and here's what I, I, when I talk to you about what the Bible says about our finances, I think sometimes, let's be honest, you know, we, we may, the church has become so traumatic in, in the way we, we talk about money. And so if you're here, maybe you're new here and you're wondering, like maybe you're here for the first time, right? And someone invited you. And maybe the person that invited you is like, he never talks about It's true. And, and, and I think that there's some traumatic <laughs> responses that we could have, right? Because many times we've looked at money and we've spoken about it from a pulpit in a way that was manipulative, in a way that made people feel condemned and guilty and shameful. Oh, I don't know. Can, I, can I tell you right now? Can I give you permission right now? As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a little bit of a command. You're not allowed to feel condemned. You're not. Th- this, is, this is the rules. You're not allowed to feel condemned while you're here. You're not allowed to feel shameful while you're here. You're not allowed to feel guilty while you're here. Because the heart of this message is not, to, is, is not to condemn people, but it's actually to free people and let them live the overflowing life that God has for Him. So, so when we talk about money, many times we, we just get, you know, it, I, I was fearful, to be honest. The first couple of years of pastoring, I, I didn't want to talk about money. I, I was just like, I'm not going to talk about money. And so what I was doing, I was going to my mentor, I said, hey, man, I need a check because we got to pay rent. And um and he, he, he and this is what he told me. He said, and this is a this is a, a man of God who currently pastors a church that is about 2000 members and also took a church from 6 million dollars in debt to 1 million dollars in the surplus in 10 years. 6 million dollars in debt. And he took that church from 96 people to 2,000 members and three campuses. So when that man speaks, guess what I'm gonna do? Listen. He says, he says, he says, Bro, I just wanna I just wanna give you some advice. You he says, Do you believe in tithing? Do you believe in generosity? I said, Absolutely. He goes, he goes, Would you did you receive blessings from that? I said, absolutely. It's one of the it's one of the number one principles I live by. He goes, then why would you rob from teaching your church that? And I made a decision that, that at least once a year I'm going to come before this church community and I'm going to talk to them about what it means to be generous. And I'm going to talk to them what it means to be a tither. I think many times we talk about being, uh, we have a mentality of being consumers. You know what a consumer mentality is, right? Like you come to church and just like, hmm, let's see what song they're going to sing today. <laughs> they better sing my song. Drew, you better make eye contact. I can't, be- I can't believe it. I was worshiping God. He didn't make eye contact with me. <laughs> right? Like we have this consumer, consumer mentality. But I-, I just think that God could shift that and make this church a church of contributors and not just consumers. <laughs> Amen? And so, <clears throat> so, um, so, this is what the Bible says about, what am I going to believe? I'm going to believe what the Bible says, right? This is what the Bible says about our giving. Can I just read this scripture to you? It's Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And it says, for, the Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from the statutes. Those are my beliefs. Those are my systems. Those are my ways, statutes. Those are my orders. Okay. And have not kept them. Now look what he says. He says, return to me and I will return to you. Says the Lord of hosts, but you say, how shall we return? Look what he says. He says, he answers them, how shall you return with a question? He goes, your hearts are far because I could see it in your level of generosity. Look what he says. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me the whole nation of you bring the full tithe what does that word say bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts if put me to the test Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no room that's an overflow spilling over life I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. That's an overflowing life. And here's what the tithe is. There are many people in this church community that have made a decision. Here's what the tithe is. The tithe is taking one penny out of every dime that God has given you. This is not the time to check out our show. Go on your Instagram. It's like, man, just check them tithe. tithe. You're saying it wrong. You're like, tithe. It's not tithe. It's tithe. Tithes, and, and, and I want to be honest, this is how I t- taught my children. Because the blessings is, is a generational blessing. And I don't want my son and my daughter to ever think that they are called to be consumers and not contributors. And so from the very uh, young age, I take my son. As a matter of fact, Bishop, can you come over here? Look at this handsome kid right here. And so I take my son, and, and from a very young age, my daughter is 10 years old, and my daughter, uh, any type of money that she receives. So again, this is, if you can't practice this in your own life, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's what you're pouring into your kid's life. You don't duplicate what you say, you duplicate who you are. So I can't duplicate what I'm saying if I'm not living what I'm saying. And so if I want to duplicate who God has called me to be in him so that he can become who God called him to be, then I must live the kind of life I want him to model. I don't believe in just say, you know, just say because I say. I say do as I do. And so that holds me to a level of accountability in my relationship with God as well because God has called me to be his leader. And so from a very young age, when he got birthday money, what happened, papi? I gave 10%. And what is 10%? A penny out of every dime. A penny out of every dime. So if I give you $10, how much do you give God? $1. And if I give you $20, how much do you give God? $2. And if I give you $30, how much do you give God? $3. And if I give it $100,365,000. Yeah. Everybody shout out, a penny out of every dime. Now, now, just in case y'all didn't get it, can I, I just want to show you something right here. This is what God does right here. God says, bring him the first fruits. And so God says, these darn hair 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 moñas. God gives you ten blueberries. You got a little blessing. (laughs) You got a little blessing. God says, you take the first fruit, I give you ten blueberries. You take one blueberry. That's for you, God. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And you take the nine. You take the nine, and you get and and you live on the nine. God gives you ten grapes. You take one grape, you give it to God. That says that belongs to me. You take the nine, thank you, God, that I get to live within my means. I got more in the back door. Oh, God gave me a bigger blessing, a bigger blessing. take one tangerine and I give it to I take the nine thank you God, this is mine I get to live within my means woo it's amazing woo thank you Jesus bigger blessing, got another paycheck I take one lemon and I give it to, who do I give it to? I give it to God. I, this is what I give to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. And I, and I live right here. Woo! Oh, I'm blessed. I got a, I got a bigger blessing. I take one apple. Bring the first fruits to God. He says, He says, give Him first what belongs to Him. So, so if God bless me with ten apples, if this is my paycheck, ten apples, then I take one apple, give it to God. I live off the nine. We're bringing this home. We're bringing this home. See, see, I I, 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 take. See, many times here's what we do. We, we, we. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta pay, Con Ed. I gotta pay. I gotta pay mm, tuition. I gotta pay rent. Man, what am I gonna do? I gotta pay school. I gotta pay debt. And then you're, you're like, I want, I want Dunkin' Donuts. And instead of giving God first, we give him the leftovers. And it's no wonder we say things like, I can't afford to tithe. But here's why. Because you're putting everything first. And you're giving God leftovers. And God says, when you get the order right, you'll see that everything begins to flow. So, so, guess what? I'm going to give God the first fruits. That's 10%. Of what God has given me, and then I'm gonna take the nine, and I'm gonna live off the nine. But what if God? What God? I want a bigger blessing. Wait, wait, wait. What? What happened, bro? I'm preaching. What's in here? If God gives you a. I'm going to take the first one, here we go, God, man, this is a blessing right here. Woo, here we go, I love you, God, Jesus Christ, I love you, God, I'm blessed, and, See, if we're not careful, can I be honest with you? If we're not careful, we'll make a living out of robbing God. We'll start making a living out of robbing God. And then we say, I, I just can't do it. I just I don't have enough money. And, and, and many times it's because we think it's just two reasons. Here's the two reasons. The first one is that we don't trust God enough. And so it's saying, no, I, I gotta pay, I gotta put this first, and then and then we start budgeting our tithe. If I can do it at the end of the month, I'll try to figure it out. No, God says the first dollar that comes out of your pocket. Let me, let me do something. For you. Do you have the, can I, I wanna do something real quick. Huh? Different time? No, 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 I don't need to take that. One. Can you just take a moment? I'm sorry. Marcus, can you come here? Marcus, come here. Now, a penny out of every, dime. see, like like six people got it. <laughs> Some people are like, four 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 <laughs> a penny out of every dime. dime. A dime out of every dime. dollar. A dollar out of, a t- a, out of $10, you give what? A dollar out of every $10 bill. And so, he, here's what we need to understand as well. We have two kinds of people. The one is people that say, I can't afford to tithe. And then the, two, the second person is the type of person that says, I make too much money to tithe. Do you know what my tithe is? It's easy for you to tithe. Do you know what my tithe is? I make a million a billion dollars. And say, okay, okay, so then how much does God need to lower your salary for you to tithe? See, because here's the, the, here's the thing. It's not about the amount. It's about the same kind of sacrifice. Because guess what? $100 for Bill Gates is not the same sacrifice as it is for someone that's making $30,000. You See what I'm saying? Like 10% from Bill Gates is 10% equal to someone that's making $30,000. Because what God expects from you is the equal level of sacrifice. And so, uh, can I give you just some managing principles? Managing principles. Here's, here's, here's three principles when it comes to stewardship. And, and this is something that I practice. This is something that we practice in this church. With the finances that come in this church, we practice these principles. We practice this in our pers- personal life. And it's this one. We, number one, 10%. We sow. So what does that mean? We bring it back to God. God gave me one blueberry, uh, ten blueberries. I give him one, and I stay with nine. Then I take, here it goes. You ready for this other word? Save. Save. <laughs> Some people are like, what? Save? Like, nah, man, I got I to gotta go eat tonight. Right? And can I tell you, America... Americans live 1% over the money that they make. That means officially America's poor. Japan saves 18%. Okay? Now, so what does it mean? 10% goes to God? This is $100. Marcos, help me out here. God just gave you these $100. Okay? That's a 100, 100. That's not even 100. That's a hundred, H-U-N-N-I-T. Give you a hundred dollars. According to this stewardship principle, where God wants you to live an overflowing, blessed life, He says, "I want you to take ten percent, and I want you to give it back to God. When you do that, God blesses the ninety. And I rather God, I rather live a life." with 90% blessed finances than 100% finances that just depend on me. Because God could do more with 90% that he has blessed than 100% that you can do on your own. I've been living like this my entire adult life. Even when I was in serving God, I believed in this principle so much because I saw the evidence of it in my own life. So according to this, Marcus, you take... God gives you a 100 dollars. What do you do, according to the stewardship principle? So you take a 100 dollars, 10 goes to God. It's going to bring this back to the church. I'm going give this. Ronnie, you' the church. Savings. Savings, you can put that in your back pocket. This is your savings, That's your bank. There you go, right there, boom. And then what God says, you can live off the 80. And he says, i bless the 80 like if you've given it all. Because when you give the first, it's like you give it all. And so now you can live off the 80. Let's give it up for Marcus. Marcus, that's my gift to you. Thank you. That's, and the 80 feels like 100. Let's give it up for Marcus one more time. That's yours. That's yours. That's yours. That's yours afterwards. Just keep it for now. God says, test me. What about my, what about my, my student loan? God says, test me. What about my kids? God says, test me. But God, I have aspirations. God says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out an overflowing blessing in your life." we we got to get away from this lottery mentality. I've heard so many people that don't believe in tithing say, when I win the lottery, I'm going to buy this church the biggest building in the world. And I'm like, I believe it from people that tithe. Of course. I believe it. But you know why? You know why? Because if you can't do it with this... You'll never be able to do it with this. Because let me tell you something. You see, you see a, a, lot of these, uh, a lot of these celebrities that may say they're generous because they give a million dollars. That's like 0. .5% of what their net worth is. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you're realizing, oh, no, it's not even 1% of what their income is. And so though it's a large amom- amount, it's still not linked to God's heart when it comes to generosity. Look what Luke chapter 16 verse says as the worship team begins to come up. If you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the larger ones. But if you are dishonest, look at this word. If you are dishonest with the little things, you won't be honest with greater things. Could it be that God has given you this income that you have right now just to test to see what your level of generosity is? Because look what it says. If you are faithful with the little things, you will be faithful with the larger things. Listen to that. It doesn't say you may be. It says if you are faithful, it doesn't say then maybe you'll, fa- you'll be faithful to the bigger things. It says when you begin to be faithful in the little things, can I tell you something? You will be faithful for the larger things. You can leave that right now. You could just, just leave it for now. You will be faithful for the larger things. Why? Because your heart has already been prepared little by little with the little things. So you'll never be able to tithe when you have a million dollars if you were never able to tithe when you were earning $30,000. Does that make sense? And so look at this other verse. For each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Many times it's like, oh man, we have to come to church with our, our poom poom shorts and our pom-poms and just cheerful givers. No. God is simply saying, cheerful in this original context. It's it's a settled heart. It's a heart that says, I believe what the Word of God says. It's a heart that says, hey, I'm gonna believe. That if I give God the 10%, he will bless the 90 and I will now live this overflowing life. And many times we're like, God, why is it that I, why is it, I'm struggling here? Why is it that I can't get over? Why is it that I'm dealing with this? Here's two reasons. Number one, you're stealing in some capacity. That could be in our tithe. That can be in, in internet stuff. That can be in, in, in just trying to work the system. That can be in, if you have those areas in your life that are stealing in some capacity, there's a lock on the financial blessing that God wants to pour in our lives. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to, you're going to make it to heaven with no problem. We're not talking about that. We're, love, we're talking about living an overflowing life here on earth. The last question I want to give you is how. Is the how question. How am I blessed? How am I blessed? Meaning, how do I see the blessing of God in my life? How am I blessed? Am I blessed when I receive more? Am I blessed when I'm a consumer and I'm taking and I'm taking? Am I blessed when, can I I be honest with you? You're blessed when you walk in through those doors at 11 o'clock. Can I tell you who might be a little bit more blessed than you? Everybody that comes to serve. You know why? There's something that happens in your heart when you come to serve. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It just, it just, man, I'm I'm the, I'm the blessedest person. Like, I'm just like, what? I get to serve every Sunday. How am I blessed? Am I blessed when I, when I. And I take, 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 take. Or am I blessed when I give? It's like, I know I'm going to be happy. I know I'm going to be blessed when I arrive here. But what happens is that when you arrive here, the line gets further. And God said, I love a cheerful giver because a, a, a cheerful giver in his heart has already decided that 10% belongs to God. He, he's already decided. I don't even question. The moment that check hits my bank, it goes Immediately to the tithe. I do not pay a bill until I give my tithe I do not even pay a bill and there's people in this church community That have decided that they're gonna do the same thing and because of that this church is a blessed church Because of that this is a prosperous church because of that We're reaching people all over this island and we're making a difference even in this own school Look what it says. says, But they are also filled with abundant joy which overflowed. Verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Acts 20. Watch this. But everything I did I showed you should work to help everyone who is weak. Remembering that our Lord Jesus said, More blessings come from giving than from receiving. Did you hear that? My relationship with money has to change. I can't serve two masters. The moment I serve God, that changes the way my relationship with money is. And I'm telling you, we could be be good financial stewards in some way and try to work things out, but I'll tell you this, man, there's nothing greater than giving God what belongs to him. I was so blessed to hear Emily Murray, who, you know, we talk regularly. You guys know Emily Murray, uh, part of our worship team, and and she was like, um, she said, Pastor, it's amazing when it comes to tithing. I said, What? Well, what happened? She goes, because I went to, I'm in college, I'm in college, and one of the things that the pastors said from the pulpit is that if you're a student in this house, don't tithe to this church. Tithe to the church that has pr- been praying for you, that has been your spiritual home, that has been your place of blessing. And even from California, Emily Murray, 18, 19? 19. How in the world did that happen? 19 years old. Tithes from California. Why? Because she says, my, my blessing my, 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 the church that's praying for me, the church that I grew up in, the church that has been a, a source of strength in my life is where, and they're teaching that at her school. Like, you're a student here, but you're here temporary. You have a spiritual home, and that's where your tithe belongs. You can give an offering to us, but you tithe to your spiritual home. This last thing I want to leave you with, and it's Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And this is what I was thinking. What would it look like? I asked this question, what if? Everybody say, what if? What if? What if? This is what I asked. I say, what if, God? What if everyone that called Kuhau their spiritual home, don't put the slides up until I say it, okay? What if everyone in Kuhau made the decision to believe God and tithe? Everybody say, shout, what if? What if if everyone chose, because here's why. Because look what Acts chapter 2 says. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. Do you see their relationship with money changed? What if, what if, what if, what if? All the believers. Oh, but some uh, 20% of the believers were able to be generous and somehow it, it translates. No. All the believers. All the believers. Why? Because they weren't just believers with mouth. They were believers with heart. And again, this is not to condemn anyone. This is not to make anybody feel bad. But, but what God is calling this church community to do is not just for the people that call themselves leaders in this church. It's, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's us. It's all the believers that met together, can you imagine what God would do if all the believers at Christ's uncensored house of worship said, We're going to give God the first fruits? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? If every believer in this church that came on a Sunday said, We're going to bring back God the tithe, that means if I make $500 a week, I bring God how much? If, if I make $1,000 a week, is God calling to, for me to bring 200 No, if, I, if I, God gives me 1000 God is calling me to give 100 Back to God. And I get, I'm so blessed with the 90. I, I did some, no, let's go to the next verse because this doesn't happen just in one verse. It happens also in chapter, Acts chapter 4. All the believers were united in one heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. Why? Because it all belongs to God. So they shared everything they had. I did some numbers and I said, wow. Yeah. Our church community, our church community, I, I want to be some trans- transparent with some numbers. And we'll finish right now. Our church community brings in on a monthly basis... I'm just gonna say it out there. We bring in on a monthly basis, seven thousand dollars average. Okay, that's how much that's how much we bring. The amount that we've the goal that we've needed to have is ten thousand dollars on a monthly basis. That is, we need a hundred and twenty thousand dollar budget for the year to do everything that we believe God is calling us to do in Staten Island and God is calling us to do in this church community. We've sat. We've spoke. And we need $120,000 a year to do everything and for us to fall in line with everything that God wants for, for this church community. And I did a little bit of math. We have about 110 people that call Kuhau their home. Okay? About 110 people. If, if let's just say 80, let's just say we have, we have 80 dedicated Let's just say, right? Let's just say we have 80 people that come regularly. This is a home. This is the place that they serve. This is the 80 people. If 80 people in this church only made $30,000. 80 people made $30,000. Now, I know there's many of us that we make more than $30,000 a year. Right? That's just just the truth. Some of us make double that money. Right? If 80 people, all, everybody shout all. If 80 people making thirty thousand dollars a year which is low income in new york if 80 people <laughs> making thirty thousand 000 a year said this we're going to choose to give god our first fruits we're going to choose to give god what belongs to him i don't know how i'm going to do it i don't know how i'm going to do it but i'm going to trust in him I know, I, know, I know right now I'm not used to this, but I'm going to trust in him. I know up until this point, I've been living among, above our means. I've been actually living b- below my means. I've been trying to save. I've been trying to get out of debt. I've been saving up for a house. I, you can do all that, but not at the expense of giving God what belongs to him. Does that make sense? I'm saving up for a house too, but not at the expense of what God belong, what belongs to God. Does that make sense? Look what it would look like if, what if every person in Kuhau would tithe? Can we put that up? Next slide. No, go back. Go back. What if every person in Kuhau would tie? Do we have a slide with all the details? This is one of my Pentecostal ones to kick in, and I want to start rebuking the devil. The devil is a liar. <laughs> Do we have that? Yes or no? Yes or no? We don't have it. I'll read it to you. How much do we bring in? How much do we bring in? Seven thousand a month. How much do we need? Ten thousand a month, just to be in line where God wants what God wants to do this year. One hundred and twenty thousand our budget for the year. Okay. If eighty people, which we have more than eighty people, but if just everybody was eighty people, if all of us would tithe the church would bring in $240,000 a year just because people said, we're gonna give God our first fruits. We're gonna give God our best. If 80 people making $30,000 a year said we're gonna give God the 10%. The church would bring in double. Can you imagine that? Double. What is even needed? So the church needs this amount of money, but God says, no, it's overflowing. are obedient. What if if everybody tithed? Well, guess what? We would be a double blessing for Staten Island. What about this? What if everyone came to church on Sundays? Faithfully. We would have to go into two services because we would not even be able to fit the amount of people that we need here. I feel like sometimes our church takes turns. Like we, The average church in America is now decreasing at the members in, in, in uh, believers. They're going to church. Here's the average attendance in America. One and a half Sundays a month. I used to go three times a week. Bianca, six times a week. <laughs> well, what if everybody... What if everybody came to church on Sunday? We'd begin to make room to expand and move into a new service, which means we could have two services because now we, we can't fit in this place. What about this? What if everyone in Kuhau served two Sundays a month? What if, what if everyone that called Kuhau their home served two Sundays a month? I can't do every Sunday, not every Sunday. How about if God called you to just serve two Sundays a month? Three hours, three hours on a Sunday, two Sundays a month. It says all the believers. We would be able to serve more families and create two different teams every Sunday. So guess what? Right now there's a 1,000 pounds and there's two people carrying it. But if that same 1,000 pounds gets carried by four people, now the weight is distributed even. And for far too long, the church of God has allowed the same people to do the heavy lifting. And God is calling you. God is calling you. All the believers. We're done here. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8. You can take this. You can take this. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8. Put that on the screen. Look what this says. I love this. It says but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. I love that, right? Because I could just see us saying that we're gonna be generous, but not making a plan that we're gonna be generous. But when you make a plan that you're gonna be generous, here's what you're saying. I'm gonna stand firm in my generosity, why? Because debt is going to try to come your way, but I'm going to stand firm in my generosity. Why? Because bills is going to come in your way. And guess what? But I'm going to stand firm in my generosity. Oh, but that new thing that you want to buy is going to get in the way. It's going to come in your mind. Oh, I could do right now. Oh, my tithe right now is $200 a month. Oh, you know what? I could do with $200 a month? Oh my God, I need to get that new-new. You know what I'm saying? That new-new? No. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to keep standing firm. The devil will lie to you and say, Oh, you see, you shouldn't have tied, because if you would have, if you you could have bought this and you shouldn't you should have paid for this. And I'm gonna stand firm in my generosity if you believe that in this place, give God a praise. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we open up our hearts to you. I Lord, I know, I know that you have spoken to us today. And I know that there are people in this church community that are saying, how could I do it, God? Would you give them the courage to step out and trust in you? That everything belongs to you, God. Everything belongs to you, God. This world, everything belongs to you, God. The day we live in belongs to you. The work we do, the power that we have to do, it belongs to you, God. Would you encourage our hearts right now to step out in faith? Step out in faith and go from beyond a consumer's mentality to a contributor's mentality. In Jesus' name, we pray, and God's people say, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhowcom slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.